Hi, my name's Mike DeLong. I'm the pastor of the Vine Church. And if you are listening to this podcast or watching this video presentation, this is our special series on race. At the Vine, we believe that the answer to our current situation is not to draw our battle lines, retreat to our corners, and not say anything to each other at all out of fear of saying the wrong thing. We believe that the answer to our current situation is to actually lean in. It's to have the discussion. It's to actually work through the differences in worldviews. It's to talk it out. Now, look, when we do that, it's going to be messy. I mean, really messy in places. So as you consume this series, which has one-on-one -on -one interviews and panel discussions, you'll have to remember to be grace-filled yourself. For there will be messy moments where you will be offended. Because you see, here at The Vine, we have a pretty multicultural congregation. We have many different people from many different backgrounds. It's just a matter of time until I say something or somebody says something that offends you. We live in a culture that's cancel culture-based. Anytime we don't hear what we like or don't hear what we value, there's this temptation just to shut it down, cancel it. I'm going to ask you to suspend that for a moment. Offer grace to all that speak in this particular series. And as we work through this together, let's pray collectively that the Spirit of God would open our minds to the worldview of the other, give us perspective and mercy for the other, and that as we move together as a community, we may not fix the world, but we may become a shining example of how we overcome the differences in worldview through these discussions. This is our intent. Now, here's the deal. I can't control how you're going to react to this. The Bible clearly says in Romans chapter 12, it says, it says, do everything within your power to live at peace. As far as it depends on you, do everything to live at peace. Which means know my heart and know the hearts of those who've participated. We want to promote Unity. We want to promote clarity and a biblical worldview. There will be moments when in our brokenness, in our inability to communicate effectively, we'll say things off the cuff that will not be exactly what we hold to be true. But I can't control your reaction. I can only ask you to be mindful, thoughtful, prayerful and grace-filled as we work through this together. All right, proceed. Love you. Mean it. Okay, this is Mike, and I'm back with my buddy Daryl. This is, welcome back to Pewology, if you're watching this online, uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, or if you're listening to this on our podcast. So, welcome. Thank you for having <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, Daryl is the, pat. now are you in a popka? 
I'm in Orlando. Orlando. Okay. Yeah. I, I keep thinking, why do I keep thinking of Popka? Did you move to a Popka? I w- used to live in a Popka, then I moved to Kissimmee, and that's when I ran into you. Okay. When I moved uh, here several okay. years ago. Yeah. Okay. And you are pastor in a church. Mm-hmm. Pastor okay. of Upside Church in Orlando. I love it. All right. Uh, so this is pastor to pastor. We're going to have some um, discussions on just race and all the things that's going on in our world right now. Here's, here's my thinking. I think I think you're gonna agree with this. My thinking is, there's this big temptation right now, with all of the emotion, and all of the, the pent up frustration that has literally just boiled over. To there's this there's this real temptation to say, don't say anything, mm-hmm. don't talk, be quiet. Everybody go to their corners. You know what I'm saying? And I'm one of these people. I could be wrong, right. but I'm one of these people. that's like, I think we need to lean in. Yeah. Like I think this is the exact time to have the conversations and have the talks to be passionate to be direct to listen like i think that's the time yeah what do you think oh absolutely uh this is the time to engage in the conversation that has been needed hundreds of years ago really (laughs) um and i love what i see unfortunately with the uh unfortunate events that have unfolded over the last four weeks actually 30, 40 days, yeah. you know, um, and it's reached a point where people are really beginning to understand and see some of the pain and some of the uh, undercurrent uh, that black America has been talking about. Right. Um, and I love, ev- I mean, you can't go anywhere in Orlando and not see people of a different color holding up signs saying black lives matter. Yeah. And, uh, because what that, what that tells me is, is that when they saw Ahmaud Arbery and we're not talking about his character, we're not talking about whether or not he was doing something uh, suspicious or any of that. We're talking about the inhumanity that was displayed, uh, you know, that we've seen over the last 40 days. And we're talking about George Floyd and I, 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 to this day, I still, I cannot watch the video. I, that was going to be my first question. Have can, you watched it? I cannot watch. I've seen. I, I've, You've seen clips. I, I was seen. I've seen snippets of it. I've seen enough to see what took place, and I read the uh, article yeah. of of what happened. Yeah. But I cannot watch the video. I watched it. It was hard. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, I think. I think. Uh, and it's, so my point that I was going to say is the reason why I believe that. I see signs held up by people that I haven't seen hold mm-hmm. up those signs before is because they saw themselves in George Floyd. Okay. I think they saw them. They saw the, the inhumanity, the, the undecency. They saw this. It was so egregious that it hit home with them yeah. that, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, probably have been articulated for the last, you know, yeah. You know, since civil rights, since Jim yeah. Crow, they've seen it. Oh, okay, man, this is we got to do something. Yeah, on video, up close, um, no argument. There, there is, there will be discussions of mitigating circumstances, but nothing will mitigate what we saw. No, no. I mean, nothing. No. There, like, no, there, there will be no. In this particular situation, in my opinion, there will be no legal maneuvering. That will undo what people have seen here. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says that if 
the if you call the wicked just that mm. the people will abhor you mm. the people will the people will abhor you and nations will abhor you so America used to be sort of the moral compass, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the United Nations, they're able mm -hmm. to sort of go in and say, hey, human rights for people and things of that nature. Well, man, you really fell off that moral horse in this incident. And if you get it wrong, how what is that going to mean for you in terms of foreign affairs? What is it going to mean even in this country? Because it seems that, you know, we see anarchy and, I, you know, it, it's troubled me so much that. Uh, Talk my, to me about that. What do you think about the aftermath of this? What do you think about the outflow of this? Uh, so for me, I have a biblical view okay. of events. So when I, you know, when I process things, I'm processing it through a biblical lens. Okay. So I have a biblical view versus a worldview. Right. And so it's a, it's a tremendous benefit to have a biblical view okay. because this is to be expected in a fallen world. Okay. 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 So hold on. Let's go slow. Yeah, so I want to make yeah, sure I'm yeah. understanding this, and I want to make sure everybody listening is understanding. Yeah. This. Sin doesn't surprise you. Sin doesn't surprise me. Okay. Sin doesn't surprise me, and I've stated this in several sermons over the last couple right. of weeks that we don't have a race problem in this country. We don't have a socioeconomic problem in this country. We don't have a political problem in this country. Those are all symptoms. Okay. So. My analogy that I use is like if you're sneezing or you're coughing, I'm not going to say you have a cough. I'm not okay. going to say you have a sneeze. Okay. I'm not going to say you have a runny nose, yeah. you know, when I'm diagnosing you. Yeah. I'm going to say you have a cold or you have the flu because that's the proper diagnosis. That's the virus that's causing these symptoms. Yeah. Unfortunately, in our society, because people have a worldview, they tend to focus on the symptoms. And yeah. so we have to engage in conversations regarding those symptoms. Yeah. But it is but people like you and I, when we engage the, in those conversations, we have to challenge the, their their worldview and sort of elevate them to a higher plateau where they're able to see the larger narrative that's yeah. causing these things. Yeah, because the Bible the Bible says in Psalms 51 and five that we're born in sin and shaping an iniquity. Mm -hmm. um, and then Jeremiah 17 and nine says the heart is deceptively wicked. Who can know it? So my own heart deceives me. Yeah. When you read the Bible, the Bible basically say we, that we're all thugs. <laughs> like the Bible, the Bible basically says right. that we're all thugs. Yeah. You're kidding yourself. If you think you're morally, more elite or better than anyone, Absolutely. whether that's a person or a race or a group or a nationality, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a study of Genesis, the first, you know, you see one of the first acts after sin entered into the equation. You see a brother murder his brother. Yeah. Doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. <laughs> and this is what sin does. Right. This is what sin does. And sin creates race problems. Sin creates these dynamics yeah. that we're called in, these socioeconomic dynamics, the disparity, all of the things that we articulate very well, right. but we don't really move it to the larger narrative, to the cause. So let me, okay, so look at it from my perspective mm -hmm. and some of the challenges that I have here, and then I, I want to hear how you're putting this into words to um, your congregants, to the people that you're talking to, to how you're preaching on this. So for me, I, I, I got to be very careful. <laughs> I, I understand are you your with, carefulness. Are you yes, with sir. Because yes. here's the deal, right? I, 
I 100% agree with you. I think that there's an underlying evil, sin, sickness, brokenness that undergirds all these problems. Yes. And I think potentially talking only about the race issue is limiting the discussion too much, that we have to get to the deeper stuff. But for a white guy to say that, Right. That could be risky. <laughs> That's a risk. That could be then risky. Because it's like, hey, you're trying to change the conversation. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. So how are you navigating that? How are you, like, what are the ways or how are, have you started conversations? Or how are you getting people to look, go, okay, yeah, there is something more that m- deeper than just race. Not that race and racism doesn't exist. Right. But how do you get them to look deeper? Uh, so, so a couple of things that I do. Um, with uh, my students uh, that I taught uh, at the AME church when I was there. Okay. When you look into the Bible and you read about the unfaithfulness of Israel, when you read about Samson and his maladies, when you read these narratives, you're in the story. Yeah. When you read history, you're looking into the mirror of your own soul. Right. And I have them to process that. And I say, what does that mean? What am I saying to you when I say you, when you read history, you're looking into the mirror of your own soul. Okay. You're very capable of doing the very acts that repulse you. Uh, okay. You're very capable of doing that. Yeah, I like that. Psychologists have done studies and they have come to the conclusion that all selves wants to be the tyrant of others' selves. Yeah. And that's the reason why the divorce rate is, is, out, of, is out of control. Because, you know, everything, we want everything to orbit around us and yeah. everything to be subservient to us. And yeah. that's, so it's, it's, it's these maladies that I tend to focus on. And then I start, when they start talking about race issues, I basically say, well, look, you know, transatlantic slave trade. Of course, we know that was an egregious system. All right. But it didn't start with Europe. It started with the African kings. Okay. It started with the African kings. Number one, there were intertribal conflicts. Okay. And the the unbelievable, ungodly, inhumane acts that they performed against each other. I won't even entertain on this podcast. It's right. unbelievable. Right. It it was so bad that the African kings selling those tribes that they had enslaved to the Europeans, those slaves that was an upgrade. That was an upgrade. Wow. That was an upgrade. That was an upgrade. Wow. They were at least they were at least allowed to live mm. because they were going to be butchered and slaughtered and offered to their false gods. Wow. So when you study these different societies, you look at Africa and you study the intertribal conflicts, and, and they're, they're still having intertribal conflicts. In 1994 under Clinton, you had the Rwanda yeah. uh, genocide where the Hutus mm-hmm. uh, and the, and the Tutsis, that. there was over a million people. Hotel Rwanda. Di- yeah, Hotel Rwanda, exactly. Yeah. There was over a million people that died in that. Wow. Now, that's not just the black thing. You go into Croatia, there was genocide over there. <laughs> Absolutely, I remember okay? that. Okay. Um, you look at Stalin. Yeah. You look at Hitler. Yeah. You We've been at- doing this. It doesn't matter the race. We've been doing this for a long time. (laughs) Whether it's black or white, it's the same problem. It's sin that undermines 
sin is undermining our democracy. Yeah. Whether you want to talk, call it socialism, yeah. communism. Now, don't get me wrong. Democracy is the best ideological system that mirrors the virtues and the characteristics that God yeah. uh, engenders. Yeah. But but it ain't perfect. It ain't perfect. And the reason why it's not perfect because anytime you put man into a utopia. That we utopia. We're going to screw it up. We're going to screw, <laughs> screw it up. We're going to break it. It's just going to break it, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, Psalms, I mean, no, Romans 9, the ninth chapter, the 28th verse and the 29th verse. It's, it talks about that God is going to do a quick work on the earth, but it makes a profound statement in verse 29. It says that except God left a seed yeah. in that particular society, that nation was going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so when we process that scripture, we're doomed if God doesn't crash in us. Yeah. We're doomed if the gospel doesn't, is not propagated That's in our society. Because there has to be a seed of love, a seed of light, yeah. and a seed of life that only comes from and is emanated from God yeah. that preserves our society. And I think, <clears throat> I think that we could, you know, if we turn this into a Bible study, I think we would agree that the outworking of that at some level should be the church. Yes. That the church is the preserving, as Jesus would say, the salt and the light, you know, the preserving factor in a decaying culture. Yes. Which means that's why I'm saying right now we should be leading on this. Brother, you, you, you're preach. That's music to my ears. Cause yeah. that's what I've been saying. Yeah. We should be controlling the narrative. Yeah. Because but we're not. We're not. No, we're getting killed on the narrative. We're not. We're not. And I, I applaud you for for inviting me in and having yeah. this discussion because yeah. let me tell you something. The we're all tied in a web of mutuality. Yeah. I need you, yeah. and you need me. Yeah. And I'm, when I say I need you, I need you to sponsor me. Yeah. And I have to sponsor you. So that conversation that you want to have, yeah. I have to sponsor you. Yeah. So yeah. you can have that yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. So you're I not. Need, I need you to put your your stamp on it. Yes, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that you're not out there by yourself, right. and people are saying, "Oh no, here's another white guy who's yeah. insensitive," and blah 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 blah. Yeah. But no, if I'm sponsoring you, yeah. that brings a new dynamic to the picture, and it says, "No, well, we need to listen to this guy." Yeah. Um, because I'm sponsoring you, and I need you to sponsor me. By having the conversation to the power structure that's been ignoring us yeah. for all this time. Yeah. So, you know, you should encourage other pastors who just happen to be in white skin because I hate talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, know. I hate talking about color yeah. because it doesn't matter to me. Right. But the reality is, is that you definitely have a lot more leverage yeah. than I do. Right. And so I need for you to sponsor this conversation that not, that must be had. Yeah. And then I need to sponsor you so that you can have that conversation. I agree. You see? I agree. So we need each we other. We got to model it. We got to model it. We got to model it for the congregations. Yes. We got to model it for people. We got to model it for people of all different races. Yeah. If we can't sit down and have a conversation, how is anybody else? How is anybody else going to have it? Come on. And we're going to judge angels one day. <laughs> the Bible says we're going to judge angels one day. We're going to judge the world one day. And it's like if we can't have that, sit down and have a yeah. conversation, I think God is going to have to probably go on Indeed and probably get some uh, more resumes out there and get rid of this whole group of. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So let's start with the complicated. Um, from your perspective, the, the Floyd thing feels like the straw that broke the camel back. This murder feels like a turning point. 
maybe that's just because of the media coverage. Maybe that's just because of the social media uproar. Maybe it's because of the protest. I don't know. But it really, this feels different a little yes. bit to me. Yeah. So from your perspective, and I know you can't fix it all in one conversation or one comment, but has something stuck out to you in this that you're like, if this is this, if we changed this, we need to address this. Like, what is it? I, I, in the protest, I see the emotional overflow. Yeah. I've yet to really sense the coherent um, list of changes that need to take place. Do you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I hear, we got a problem. Right. I don't hear exactly what the answer is to the problem yet. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. So from your perspective, th- th- this is not new to you. You're not sitting around going, oh, I'm surprised this happened, right? Like, obviously, there's a context to this for you. What do you think when you see this and, and, and the dam breaks and you go, we need to be doing this? Yeah, I think it goes back to what, you're, what you said earlier, that the church needs to be heading up this protest. Okay. We need to be in charge of the narrative. Yeah. And how do we do that? I think it's time for you know pastors who have a platform okay. to challenge bigotry in their congregation okay to challenge marginalization in their congregation um i i it was probably several years ago maybe about 10 12 years ago that our church was trying to partner with a bigger church in terms of our youth okay they had better they had more resources so yeah. our youth went to their campus yeah to participate in their youth programs well, when we went to uh, observe, our kids were separated, mm. and uh, we come, we asked questions, and come to find out there were members in that uh, congregation that complained to the pastor that they didn't want their children hanging out with kids of a different color, oh, or wow. kid these children, and so um, the the pastor, instead of being the leader that he needed to be. Uh, he was tied into keeping, you know, status quo. Wow. Don't rock the boat. Keep the tithe paying uh, parishioners yeah. happy. Yeah. And so he gave in to that. I've watched a lot of that this last couple of weeks. Have you seen this? <laughs> I, I mean, this is a sidetrack, but I've watched this. And maybe you, you don't have <laughs> access to this, but I got, uh, I got a fair amount of I got people of all different races that are leading churches on my Facebook or my, you know, my Instagram or whatever. But I've noticed that I don't think th- I don't think the the white guys knew what to do. Mm-hmm. So this thing went off, and we were like, I, th- I think there was a fear. We live in cancel culture now, yeah. And there was a fear, like if we say anything, whatever we say is going to be taken the wrong way. And so I think a bunch of guys that first week out, that first Sunday, they didn't say anything, right. And then I saw the next Sunday, it was like everybody was taping an apology. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, literally, everybody's like, okay, right. I'm sorry I didn't speak to this. Right. I don't think they, it clicked how momentous until the aftermath this actually was. Right. right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's not time to be silent. Yes. You it's know, time this, to step in. It's time to step in. Yeah. Um, but this is what I say to, I want to say this to the African American community, the Hispanic community and, and all communities that are considered minorities. Okay. That we need to honor the humanity in everyone. Yeah. Uh, example of that is Drew Brees made some comments that were ill-timed, ill-placed. Yeah. 
Uh, although I think his heart was in the right place yeah. in terms of what he said, there was nothing directly egregious in terms of what he said. It's just in light of what we just saw with the yes. George Floyd incident. Yeah. And for you to come and not speak to the, to the incident in its time. Indecency of yeah. that. And to say, okay, the flag is perhaps more important. That seems to be the under the you know, the 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 message that was implied in what he said that yeah. You know, I, I agree with you, and I worry because, like, even now as I say these words, I'm like, okay, have a little grace, you know, because because <laughs> I'm literally like the white guy. Of course, he's going to say this, but I look at the Drew Brees situation, and I'm like, okay, I get this. Right. I have enough military guys in this church to tell you. I'm telling you right now, black and white. Stop watching football a couple of years ago because. Some of these guys were on a battlefield That's fighting right. for that flag. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So they have a different view of it. Their yeah. worldview is not our worldview. They, we haven't walked in their shoes. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think Drew Brees was trying to say, like, hey, this is my perspective on this. I don't want to disgrace this flag in any way. Yes, insensitive in the moment. Yes, not the right moment. Yes, bad. But the other side to me was like, I know a little bit about Drew Brees. Yeah. This guy has got, like bent over backwards and made some huge donations, yeah. and huge acts of service to the New Orleans community, specifically communities of minorities that are there after Katrina and yep. after all of these events that have taken place that have yep. been crushing even COVID-19. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, let's not kill our, you know, let's not like, you know, friendly fire and take down the guys that are on our team too. Right. You know what I'm saying? I get it. I yeah. get that it was not the best moment. Right. But I, 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 who did I hear? Like Charles Barkley or somebody was going, come on, guys. You know what I'm saying? Take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah. Have a little grace, yeah. right? Yeah. Sometimes, just like I don't understand the military perspective, you, you know, I don't understand the shoes you've walked in, right? And I think everybody's got to show some grace and, 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 and not this cancel culture as we work through this, as we talk through it. It's going to get messy. If we're yeah. going to talk, it's going to get messy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I, I totally agree with that. He should not be crucified. Right. Um, he sh he, we have to honor the humanity in everyone and allow everyone to have voice what they feel and what their belief system is. Yeah. And we and the way you do that is you you take in consideration of the fact that you're not going to say everything right. I'm black and I'm not. I'm going to be politically incorrect a lot. I'm going to be insensitive uh, at times yeah. because we're all human. Yeah. We're all broken in some area where we don't respond the way we yeah. should respond in every incident. And so I should give you a reprieve because I take my own limitations. I take my own maladies into right. consideration. Right. And so I give you a reprieve and give you an opportunity to grow from that, to yeah. maybe apologize from that or even accept the fact that, hey, this is your stance. How can I how can I partner with you? Because going back to what I said earlier, we need Drew Brees to sponsor us. Yeah. We don't need to push Drew Brees and everybody like Drew Brees away. No, we need Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah. And so we as the African American community, we need to say, okay, how can we get them to sponsor us? And how can we sponsor them? Yeah. You know, because it's this mutual sponsorship that yeah. allows us to have the real conversation, the collaboration, so the collaboration, the, the conversation so that you're not on the hook. <laughs> right. Because I got you. Yeah, I got yeah. you. And yeah. you got me. Yeah. With the power structure. Yeah. Because you have a bit more leverage. Yeah. And I need your sponsorship in order for them to hear me and begin to change policies and things of that nature. I agree. 
Um, there's a there's a, a psychologist by the name of uh, Daniel Simon. Okay, he did a great work. He wrote a he wrote a book called The Invisible Gorilla. Okay, um, and he uh, basically hones in on this concept of selective attention. Okay, that we we the good part about us human beings is we're able to focus. So on so the things we want to focus on, the on? things we want to focus on. But when we focus, we miss so much. We miss a bunch of other stimuli, yeah. a bunch of other things. Is that this are the going dancing on. gorilla thing? This the is video? the dancing I've, gorilla. I've seen that. That's yes. a great example. A, yeah. And, and, and so uh, he does this. Uh, he does this uh, uh, experiment. And so it's the it's the gorilla where it's uh, it's people wearing a white shirt, and and there's people wearing a black shirt. And he tells you to count how many times the white shirts pass the ball. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so you're focusing on, okay, one, <laughs> two, three. And this gorilla just creeps into the, the middle of that, stops and say, and keeps walking. And, and nobody keeps sees walking it. and nobody sees it. Nobody sees it. And then so, the, 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 you know, once the experiment is over, okay, how many times the ball was passed? If you said 15, you got it right. People said 13. People yeah. said 15. Some people said 18. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, the experimenter says, OK, did you see the gorilla? And everybody's mouth just drops. What, you what, what are you talking about? <laughs> what gorilla? And I did this experiment with my church. OK. Nobody got the gorilla. Yeah. I, I showed the video to the church. <laughs> Funny story. I did. I showed this video. To church. Wonderful. Yeah. man. And so that so that speaks to what we're talking about right now, yeah. that uh, when we've been when a, when a group have been traumatized, a group has been marginalized then that's been their experience. They have selective attention, and so a lot of, like, Drew Brees, if it's not in that mm-hmm. selective attention circle, then that's not part of the solution. It's outside of my pain. It's outside of my experience. And if you're not speaking to this, then you're not really part. And that's happening on both sides, right? I yeah. Mean, think about it. Like, from, from a person who's speaking as, as the white guy that's speaking – I, there's a certain amount of like shaping that takes place to my worldview with the people I've been around, the people yep. I've had conversations with, the stuff that I've read, the, you know, where I'm putting my focus. Yeah. And if you're walking a different cultural experience, then it's potentially possible that we're looking at the same set of events from two different angles yes. and seeing what we want to see. That's right. That's precisely what's going on. And, and I think I love I love the idea that you're saying about the idea of like uh, how did you say it? You said I got to get your sponsorship. You got to get mine. I, I love that because at some point we got to show each other grace in this because yes. it's not that your perspective or my spec- perspective is wrong. Right. We got to first trust. Right. That our hearts are in the right place. That we want what's best yeah. for these communities. We want what's best for unity. We want what's best for peace. But we may have just not seen it from that perspective yet. Yeah. We may not looked at it through that lens yet, and that's going to be messy. Yeah. And every time you challenge me yeah. to see it from your perspective, you're not condemning me. Right. And every time I challenge you to see it from mine, I'm not being racist. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Does that make sense? Right. And that's what sponsorship means. I feel like that's means. what's missing. That's what's missing, yeah. and that's what sponsorship means. Yeah. Sponsorship means that uh, – I'm going to honor your humanity and yeah. honoring in your humanity. I'm going to honor your, your worldview, your perspective. Yeah. And I'm going to do it in such a way where we engage Yeah. because I need for you to engage with me too. Yeah. You haven't experienced what I experienced. I haven't experienced what you experienced, yeah. but this idea of sponsorship is this love and humanity where we honor each other. 
to be who we are. You don't have to compromise and be someone different just so that you can fit within my cultural context. I can't make moral demands on you. And I think that's what's happening in the African-American community. We're, we're, you know, we're making moral demands on people of a different color. Uh, and we shouldn't do that. Yeah. We shouldn't do that because we don't have the right to do that. We're, we're broken as well. And it's that selective attention. I, don't, I haven't experienced what you've experienced. Yeah. And you haven't experienced what I've experienced. Yeah. But if we're going to have a conversation where we engage with one another, we, we need to embrace this idea of sponsoring one another, honoring one another's humanity. Yeah. Uh, appreciate your perspective. And then when you articulate your particular point of view, yeah. if there's something that needs to be challenged, I can challenge it in a way that it's still decent. Yeah. It still honors your humanity. Yeah. I can be vigilant. I can be courageous. I can be firm. Yeah. But I can also be loving, kind, and honoring my brother's humanity in the moment in the moment yeah so if so let's 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 try a little bit of it yeah what do you need the what do you like i'm the representative right now and you're the representative we're the federal heads of these of these of these cultural backgrounds what do you need the white guy to see that he's missing i mean what do you i mean we're at a moment where i think we've hit the pause button like like jesus going to the tomb of lazarus where it says that he stopped and paused and then he wept. Yeah. I think there's a moment in the collective humanity of all Americans where we're like, and we're listening. Yeah. What do you need us to say? We need, I'm encouraged from, from what I already see. Okay. I've never seen, I've never seen the kind of participation okay. that I see today from white America in terms of protests. I mean, they're literally leading the protests. Yeah. And, and when you look at protests happening all across this nation, even here in Central Florida, right? I mean, there, there are people, I mean, white America's leading it. Yeah. They, they have signs on every corner saying Black Lives Matter because they, they now weep with us. Yeah. That act was so egregious that you cannot deny that yeah. we have a fundamental problem in this country. Right. And I'm encouraged by that. And that's what, that's what the black community needs. They need just someone to understand and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to walk with you on this solidarity, solidarity. I'm going to walk with you. I agree with you. And I apologize that we perhaps didn't get it long ago, but we Mm -hmm. get it now. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's just team up together and let's engage with one another, Mm -hmm. uh, sponsor one another, you know, you're going to need me to sponsor you so that you can have the conversation you need to have. Yeah. You know, in your in your church, which is multicultural. Yeah. You have plenty of sponsors here. Yeah. So there's no reason for you not to have those kind of engaging conversations. Absolutely. Once you have, uh, a, you know, set the context because I need your sponsorship and you need mine. Right. And how do you get that? We honor each other's humanity. And there's nobody who does that better than the church of Jesus Christ yeah. because in our hearts should be flowing love in our hearts should be, should be show, flowing this mutual understanding, this embracing, this kindness, this reprieve that we give each other. If you say something that's out of off point, I'm not going to crucify you. Yeah. And if I can, if I can convince you that I'm not going to crucify you, what is that going to do for you? Yeah. You know, let, let me give you an example. I think that gets at the heart of what you're saying that I used last night in my Wednesday night address to the church. Um, you've heard all of this controversy that surrounds the 
the phrasing, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And then there's been a response by many that says All Lives Matter. Yeah. Right. And y- y- you're more you're very acquainted with the idea that that for most of the black community, they hear this and they interpret it as as a very like like it's, it's a shift in the conversation, yeah. a racist shift in the conversation. And I was using this illustration last night. I was saying, I was saying, I actually used the words. I said, okay, this is a white guy talking to my white friends. Black lives matter, period. Right? Can we just, just get, establish, can we establish that, right that right now? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, everybody good? We're good. Okay. But then I said, and this is a white guy to my black friends. I said, now let's remember this and give us a little grace. I actually used the same words. I said, give me some grace here. Yeah. We've been telling our kids and my family's been telling me for the last 40 years to be colorblind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't see color. Be co- and I showed all these quotes. Jennifer Lopez, Michael Jackson, all of these people you know, have been saying, be colorblind, be colorblind, be colorblind. You know what I mean? And so when my 12-year-old heard Black Lives Matter for the first time, he actually said the words, don't all lives matter? Sure. Right? And what he was saying was, you've been telling me not to look at this. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I then had to explain to him why that would be interpreted from the pain of this community as a shift in the conversation, right? I had to say, okay, let me explain why. It's not all, you know, but it's not easily picked up. It's right. not like, I, I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I think there has to be a little grace. Guys, y- yes, we understand. I don't think everybody that's saying all lives matter is like, we're, we don't think black lives matter either, right? They're not trying to be racist. They're, they're like, hey, we've been ingrained with colorblind, 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 colorblind. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, now we're going to highlight color. And we haven't yet had the conversation. Why are we highlighting? This is important at this moment. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you, do you get that? Did you go through that whole thing in the last couple of weeks with black lives and all lives and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, all, all the time. And um, I was raised in a household where, you know, we were judged by the content of our character yeah. rather, versus the color of our skin. So my father, he, he worked at NASA. So okay. uh, he was an educated man. Yeah. Uh, he was a pastor as well. Uh-huh. So we, we had a balanced perspective okay. in terms of growing up. Um, I get it when they say black lives matter. Yeah. Um, to me, that's just saying this house is on fire. Right. And we need to focus on getting this house, getting the firemen to come and put this fire out. Right. Because this house is on fire. Yeah. I, that's how I interpret black lives matter. Right. Um, for me, fundamentally, all lives matter. Yeah. As a pastor, I have, even if I'm this not This goes a pastor, back to that biblical world. This is a biblical worldview yeah. that really God meant for the world to be diverse. He meant for uh, dark people to be here. He yeah. meant for white people to be here. He meant for olive tone people to be here because mm-hmm. God loves diversity. Mm. Uh, you look at the terrain, you look at the flowers, you know, there's no terrain that's the same, no flower. There's different, <laughs> a, a myriad of different flowers yeah. and things of that nature. So we get it. Diversity is there. Um, but the reason why we're having this conversation, all lives matter. The reason why we're having this conversation that black lives matter, because we're still trying to process and make sense of all of the trauma, all of the fallout, all of the brokenness that ref- that is reflected from sin. Yeah. Sin is what causes all of this. Yeah. And until we have the real conversation, we're going to still be circling around the symptoms. Yeah. It feels very surfacey. Right it's now. A very surfacey. Yeah. And, and that's, 
you know, that's the reason why the church needs to take control of the narrative should be uh, heading up this protest. Yeah. And when you have an opportunity to speak into the microphone, although I, I doubt CNN or Fox News is going to air something as sound as, you know, <laughs> two pastors sitting two around pastors. talking about sin problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. No, that doesn't sell. Uh, no, soap, no, you know no, no. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for me, the biblical view is absolutely necessary. And that's what I preach to my kids. That's what I preach to my congregation, because if you look at. If you look, if you look at the Bible and you see yourself in the narrative of being unfaithful to God, mm-hmm. if you see yourself in the narrative of being the woman who was caught in adultery, it has nothing to do with gender. It's yeah. just the fallenness of human beings. I agree. And you see the, you see how Jesus comes to the scene and elevates her. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't dishonor her humanity. Yeah. He honors her humanity. Yeah. And say, look, where are your accusers? Yeah. Well, there's none, Lord. Yeah. Well, the person who had the right to accuse her, the sovereign ruler of the universe, doesn't doesn't accuse her. Yeah. And says, neither do I. Yeah. Go and sin no more. It's powerful. So if we, as the black community, can embrace Christ-like principles as we engage in our protests, yeah. as we engage in confronting the power structure, because we do need to engage the power structure. We do need to confront it. Frederick Douglass said this, that power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. Right. We do need to confront it, but we need the sponsorship of our white brothers to lead the conversation because there's more leverage there. Okay. We just have to be honest. Yeah. If we're honest, and if we're, you know, I'm a businessman, yeah. and you know, to me, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you're a great prospect, I'm going to sign you up. <laughs> So I'm trying to cut a deal, trying to cut a deal, baby. <laughs> money has no call. I mean, yeah. money doesn't discriminate. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, we need to embrace uh, if we have the biblical view. That just creates this opportunity for us to really have an engaging conversation. So let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, I, and so I'm in warning in advance. Morning in advance. Yeah, we are. I'm going to shift gears to where we can both get in trouble. Okay. okay. And I've, and I felt this pressure over the last couple of recordings, the last couple of weeks. So let's talk about the policing issue and let's preface that conversation with, I'm betting, you know, law enforcement people. I know law enforcement people, most of which are very good people. We are going to have to paint with a big brush because we have to have this conversation, but we mean no offense to right. any good, well-meaning morally upright law enforcement people. Are you with me? Right. Okay. But what do we got to do here? I mean, what you, you, you've cased it in like a big sweeping term of power structure, but obviously there's this undercurrent of discussion now around policing and around like, how do we address whatever reform needs to take place within policing? Um, what's your perspective on this? Cause it's gotta be different than mine. Um, first of all, I want to, just give a shout out to all of those who bear the badge, uh, okay. who are out there policing and putting their lives on the line. Yeah. Uh, thank God for you. We need you. Yeah. We're in a broken and fallen society. Yeah. And I don't know what our society looks like without our police. Absolutely. Without those men and women who have that badge and yeah. out creating order out of chaos. Yeah. I don't know where our society would be. So I want to give a shout out to the, our police department. I do honor you and do, uh, have the utmost respect. I have people who yeah. are in law enforcement 
and my brother is a chaplain at the Orange County oh, uh, wow. Sheriff's Station. Yeah. Uh, so we have some great men and women working in our police departments. And this police officer who kept his knee on George Floyd's neck as an anomaly, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Now, I think you have, uh, you have more of them than there should be. Okay. And so that's where we have to get into police reform. Have you had a bad experience with a police officer? Yeah. What was it like? Well, um, it's more of, man, I tell you. So let me let me let me let me share this. Uh, we do get profiled. Okay. I remember uh, I lived in Errol Estates. It's a nice community in Apopka. Okay. And uh, I was in my Durango, and I pulled up into Errol Estates, and so uh, this police uh, car started following me, and uh, so I said, "Geez, I turned this way, and he turned that way." I turned this way and he turned that way because I'm going home. Okay. And I and I shit and my wife said, "Why is he following me?" I said, "Don't worry, honey. He's running our he's running our tag and he's he's going to get it back probably in about 15 seconds. He's going to turn off because he's going to see that we live in this neighborhood." Yeah. So I just kept going and I just drove slow, I kept going and sure enough, he turned off. Okay. Because he ran the tags and saw yeah. that I actually lived there. Yeah. But we get racially profiled all the time, sure. um, uh, and that's unfortunate. But at the same time, I had a bad experience with a black police officer. <laughs> Did you? Uh, yes. <laughs> and my, my experience with the black police officer was worse than the white police officer. Wow. What so, happened? So I was on my way to a church picnic, and my, my SUV was packed with food and supplies, and I had my kids sitting on top of stuff there. Okay. You know, I think I had two, two kids. Mm -hmm. They weren't in the seatbelt because there weren't no seat, you right. know, seat belt yeah. to put them in. Yeah. And uh, so this police officer, this uh, patrol officer, highway patrol officer uh stopped me i wasn't doing anything wrong she just saw that my truck was loaded and probably saw the kids mm -hmm. so she stopped me and you know i rolled down the window let me see your driver's license and your insurance um i said officer i'm going to a church picnic i know this looks bad but i'm just trying to make it there with all the supplies let me see your driver's license and your insurance card and I was explaining to her, hey, look, we're, we're going to an outing. Yeah. Know, I'm the guy who's bringing all the supplies. <laughs> you're holding up the whole I'm hold, You're holding up. <laughs> Come on, let me go. <clears throat> and uh, she didn't. She, she had shades on. She did not acknowledge anything that I said. And she wrote me a ticket, a nice large ticket yeah. for not having people in their seatbelts. Yeah. And so that was a bad experience with. Uh, yeah. uh, insensitive police officer, right. and they happen to be black. Yeah. So we have bad police officers. Well, when I say bad, we have insensitive police officers on both sides of the spectrum. Don't you think that nobody's talking? Mean, maybe there are people talking about this, but let's. I'm not going to speak for everybody else. But don't you think that sometimes that there can and many times is a race component in. Uh, police encounters that turn out the what, how we saw with George Floyd. Yeah, but doesn't it feel like no nobody's really having the in depth conversation? And, and and again, I'm with you. I'm supporting law enforcement. I love my law enforcement people. I'm not painting with a, a broad. I am painting with a broad brush, but it's not intended to be um, targeted at anybody. Right. When you. P police officers have a special power. Yeah. We, we've we've endowed them with a level of power in our communities, and sometimes when people are given power, 
power can be abused. Yes. And, it, and it's not always about race. This goes back to the sin problem, right? Yeah. It's yeah. not always about race. Right. Sometimes it's about this, this power yeah. that's being used in a negative way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to go into the whole thing and say who, but we, we've had an experience with a, with a police officer. It doesn't matter which department right, right here, and they don't go to this church. Okay? <laughs> but but we, where my wife and I have said, this guy— has lost his mind. The power. Yeah. He he's on a power trip. Yeah. Like ridiculous. I mean, I, interesting story. I, I had the kids. We had a turtle crossing the road. Turtle. A turtle was crossing the road. I stopped the car, let the kids out to get the turtle across the road. Right. And a cop come up, light me up, yelling at me, get blocking the road, and I'm like, hey. I'm serving I'm the light. I'm trying to the turtle cross. But I mean, he really kind of went into this whole thing. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, yeah. what is, are you just having a bad day? Yeah. What's wrong with you? But there's this sense of like disconnect on the power sometimes. Yeah. That as a, look, and maybe law enforcement, it's, maybe that's their perspective. It's hard for them to see my perspective, but it feels like it's very adversarial. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. What do you think? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of, so the reason why you were able to share that with me yeah. just now is because I sponsored you. <laughs> okay. I like it. I sponsored yeah. you. I, I didn't come across as hating on the police. Right. I came across as saying I had a bad experience on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. And that gave you the autonomy to be able to just share that experience, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I sponsored you, and I'm glad you shared that experience yeah. because it brings a broader perspective right. that power corrupts. Right. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Yeah. It goes back to the biblical view. Yeah. We can't handle power. Right. If you if you're in a position like I'm a pastor, you're a pastor, we have a certain amount of influence. So we have to put measures in place where we're accountable. Yeah. To people. Yes. To uh so that we can stay in check. Yeah. Right. Because we recognize the kind of influence that we have. Yeah. That's what police Good police departments, in terms of reforming, they need to put create a culture, number one, that allows policemen to hold other policemen accountable and not just embrace each other because you're part of this fraternity Yeah, and say, okay, I got your back no matter what. No, I don't have your back no matter what. If, you do, if there's policies that are in place, laws that are in place that empowers police, policing to hold each other accountable, Right. In a way that's respectful, in a way that's honorable, in a way that is not subjective, but objective. Yeah. That's what's needed. Uh, that reform needs to take place in our police departments yeah. because there is an element of power that's there that they, they tend to abuse. I, here's another point. Here's another uh, thing. There was I was on my way to just yesterday. Maybe yesterday. Oh, boy. This patrol officer, so I'm in the fast lane, and this patrol officer is coming up behind me real fast. And I, I'm, so the first thing I do, you know what I did? Yeah. I looked at my speedometer. Yeah. Am I going to yeah. right speed? Yeah. Okay, what's going on here? So I just, you know, I stayed in the fast lane, moved past the other guy because I didn't know what this guy was doing. Yeah. I wasn't going, I wasn't over the speed limit that much, so I figured that he wasn't coming after me. Yeah. So I just speed it up a little and, uh, you know, and just gave him space to, 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 get, around. to get around me because I, he was moving fast. I didn't turn 
into the I didn't get into the right lane. I stayed in the lane yeah. I was because I didn't want to intrude him on. Yeah. I just wanted to just keep an even kill. Obviously, he's going somewhere. Yeah, he's but, going somewhere fast. Yeah. So he, instead of getting into the right lane, bro, he stayed behind me. Oh, wow. Like for the next 30 seconds. Yeah. Like. When you're on the road going 70, it's like a lot of time. That's a lot of time. Yeah. And he was like, he had an attitude like I didn't get out of his way. Uh, okay. So he wanted me to move out of the fast lane. Yeah. And so he eventually moved, scurried off into the right lane and sped off. And, and, and did the whole, like, you can tell by just the way they're driving, like, I'm upset with you. Yeah, yeah. You didn't, you know, yeah. honor me. I'm yeah. the patrol officer, the highway yeah. patrol officer. You're supposed to get out my way when I'm right. trying to move somewhere. And uh, after I saw him driving and speeding and so forth, I said, you know what? This guy's just going home. He's not on duty right now. No. The way he's acting right now, yeah. he's not on duty. He's not going after anybody. He's just trying to use his power Together. to move people out of the way so he can get home. So I, I shared that to say I think you're on to something. I think there's, there is an element of power that they, they bear, yeah. and that power can corrupt if it goes unchecked. And so the police department, when it comes to reforming with all of the protests, they need to start, number one, they need to remove these laws of immunity out of the way. If police officer is guilty of certain things, they need to be f held to the fullest extent of the law. Right. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Absolutely. And then I think the, the culture, the internal culture needs to change where they have policies that empower police officers to uh, be able to hold each other accountable. And instead of, uh, and when I say hold each other accountable, hold each other accountable, honor the humanity in everyone. So if a police officer is being a bit more forceful than they should, mm -hmm. have them go take some classes. Yeah. Have a process that you take them through to help them develop these virtues these and tools. skills, these tools in that area. Let me tell you, okay, let me tell you, I've got a quick fix. Yeah. I think I can fix the whole thing. You ready? All right. I'm going to fix it all right now. You'll fix it all. I'm going to fix it all okay. right. And I'm going to give you the example when I, when I, when it dawned on me that I think this is the fix. I think that the answer is if we could, if we could assure to integrate policing across the nation, every city, right? where there was a, a very healthy integration of, and representation of different cultures, different backgrounds, different races, as police. And let me tell you where it dawned on me. Hmm. I'm watching this protest. I think the protest, it may, have been, it may have been New Jersey, I can't remember. I'm watching this protest, and there's a white cop. He's got a black girl protesting from kneeling, kneeling. And he takes her while she's not doing anything. She's just kneeling. Yeah. I mean, she, maybe she's being annoying, like standing in front of him and kneeling or whatever. But she's not doing anything. No. And he took her and threw her on the ground. Just, just literally just threw her on the ground. I mean, she's kneeling, so it didn't take much just to, like, toss her, right? And then immediately there was, like, another black cop who was obviously his superior, was a woman, and literally just grabbed him and yanked him off the line, this, this white cop, and was like, oh, hell no. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that ain't going to go down. And it was an immediate correction. Right. There was an immediate accountability. Right. Like, don't you feel like some of this would get solved if we, if we do policing more integrated? Mm -hmm. Like, I look at Kissimmee Police Department, fairly integrated police department. Uh, a lot of the young officers are Hispanic. We have a big Hispanic population here. And here's the funny thing about the white community, speaking as a white guy. We don't care. 
what race the police officer is. We're very pro-police. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. And so I just look at that and I go, I love the fact that our police department is very diverse and racially diverse. And I think it holds everybody in the police department accountable. If you're standing shoulder to shoulder with somebody of another race as, as a brother in blue, it gets really hard. I think it puts a lot of pressure on you kind of on you to be racist in your job. Right. If, if you have tendencies to be bigoted. Right. Right. Did I solve it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think with the black officer shoving that guy out of the way. No, white officer shoved the white that officer guy. Shoved it and the oh. black officer corrected it. Okay, so the white officer shoved the guy who was the, the woman who was kneeling. Yes. And the black officer who was his ranking, yes. higher rank than he was, corrected it. Yes. Um, I wonder if that would have happened. If he was lower rank? If they, they were uh, lower Equal. ranked or the George Floyd incident hadn't happened. I tell you, I tell you this. That I think the reason the boil over is because we can agree on this point. If there wasn't a video of the George Floyd, I don't care if you're white or black. No one's convinced that this cop would be arrested right now. Right. That's, That's the correct. problem. That's the problem. That's right. That's right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and, and I'm not sure that's a racial problem. Right. That goes back to that power problem again. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I look at and I go, I think this conversation's bigger than just race. Yes. You know what I'm saying? When we get to the answers yeah. and the policing, I'll go, I think that I, I, I think that happens. I had this big panel discussion with these guys the other day. I was I was the only white guy and had all these people in here from the congregation and they were like, oh, Okay, you're about to get it <laughs> <laughs> And we were talking about that that issue and I said, Yeah, but guys, I don't believe if that guy would have been Hispanic Asian or white, if he if he killed, that he would have been arrested. Right. If there wasn't a video. That's right. That's right. And that's that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. And the three other police officers that just sat there, there and stood there and just was complicit with this agreement. That's a good act. point. So my point is that's a counterbalance to my point because I'm saying, hey, I, they were holding each other accountable, but you're like, not with Floyd. No, not There's, with Floyd. No, no. Not with Floyd. No. And that's a good point. Um. So. But it goes back to the point that you're making. You know, the police, the, the police department needs to be more diverse. Yeah. Uh, so that you do have that diversity element there, so that that perhaps can happen. So let me push a little bit. Yeah. And this is where, you know, I start to get worried that I'm like, okay, DeLong. I'll sponsor you. Bro. Yeah. Th- thanks, sponsoring this. <laughs> it it feels like to me that in the white community there is a high level of respect for law enforcement, and you grow up thinking, I want to be, like, you grew up as a little kid going, I want to, cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers, I want to be a cop. It doesn't feel, and maybe rightfully so, that there's that level of admiration for law enforcement in the black community. And I think that's a barrier to, to creating more avenues and more integration into law enforcement from the black community that I think we much need. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, how... What do you what do you do about that? Like, how do you model honor? Okay, so let's say ninety eight percent of all law enforcement, or even if it's less, ninety percent, whatever, mm-hmm. is good people. Right. How do we how do we honor that and model that and say this is a good thing in our in your community? Well, uh, I think with the great work that our men in uniform, men and women in uniform, do. Uh, and many of the, the police departments have great uh, community, in a, you know, programs where yes. the police go out to the 
actual community. Right. And they do community policing. Do community policing. Yeah. And more than just policing, they're actually becoming a part of the community where they're out playing basketball yeah. with the community. Yeah. They're out playing softball with the community. Yeah. They're, they're so it's the people in the power yeah. that model it. Yes. It can, we can't do it without them, too. We, can't, we need their sponsorship. We need the police departments to see the value of community policing. Yeah. And, and it, even if they say, well, we've been trying, we've been trying, we need to say, we got to try harder. you got to try harder. You got to try harder. And it's not that we've been trying. There's no there's no other recourse. Yeah. This is it. You you have to become a part of the community. Yeah. And when you do that, I'm pretty sure the statistics the statistics show that uh there's less violence. Yes. When police go and become part of the community. I agree. And I'm not talking about coming part of a community where they're holding a baton over somebody. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind community of community policing. Uh, yeah. yeah, relationship, relationship building. building. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you and, go. Yeah, you know. So when they do that, and uh, you know, somebody, you know, you somebody is out twerking, and then the police gets out and twerk, you mm -hmm. know, and make a fool of themselves. Yeah. And I just know that that does uh, a ton of good in that community. And regardless of what your color is, we see you as an intricate part of the community and we see you as a friend. We see you as an ally. We see you as uh, all of the things that you just yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what needs to take place. More of that um, bridge building, bridge building, community oriented, relational. Yeah. And this is not this is like, you know, this is like you becoming a part of the tribe. Mm -hmm. The community is not I mean, the police is not outside of the tribe. Yeah. They're part of the tribe. Yeah. And when they see themselves as part of the tribe and the tribe sees themselves as part of the tribe, right? I think that's when we're moving forward with great momentum. Are right you direction. worried about the undercurrent to the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement who is pushing what I would call a much more liberal agenda and a much more extreme position, which is saying defund the police, abolish the police departments in certain cities. Yeah. Are you worried about that? I am worried about that. I think Cornell West uh, mentioned that on um, once some, some interview that I saw him on. It might have been Fox. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a bit extreme. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, but Minneapolis just the city council just voted to defund. Really? Yeah, and they're holding other votes in cities around the United States. I mean, it's it's a pretty extreme position, but I think the emotion of the moment has pushed us to a a radical outcome in some places. No, we need calmer minds to to be in charge of of the situation right now. Right now is, you know, it's not the time to make policy right now. Right. It's the time to just for solidarity. For so yes, I agree. Yeah, let's just sit down and relax. We don't need to make decisions based on emotionalism. Yeah, we need calmer, thoughtful minds to take charge and precedent. Over well, I I appreciate that sponsorship because I look at that and I'm like. Yikes, that's a bad idea. No, that's a bad idea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I feel like saying that is like, you're risking it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you piss off yeah, people. yeah. Like, no, we do need to be funny. <laughs> you're racist. Of course you would say that. Because yeah. you're white. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Um, no, we need our police. Yeah. We're in a fallen world. Yeah. What's going to happen when there's no police? Yeah. That's my thinking too, man. Okay. Like, who, who are you gonna call? Who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters, bro. They're a problem. You getting held up or whatever? You can't call a social worker, dude. You can't call a social <laughs> worker. No, you need to call somebody who's equipped, trained to be able to defuse, handle the situation. Yeah, 
And nobody does that better than our professional law enforcement officers. So defunding the police department is an emotional decision. It's a decision that's made in the moment. And my goodness, uh, shame on Minnesota for, you know, somebody should have stood up and say, look, let's just relax a little bit. Let's yeah. wait. Let's let's show solidarity right now. Right. Let's relax and let's come back and, and think about this. Uh, you know, have a have a panel discussion, have a collaboration, mm -hmm. uh, form a committee that will help uh, lead the way in forming reform yeah. of the police department. Because we know that the George Floyd incident can't continue to happen. It can't happen. We need to we need to correct that. Mm -hmm. But we need to do it in a very thoughtful way where we're still honoring our people in badge. Mm -hmm. But at the same time we are not going to allow egregious acts to go unchecked. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Let me ask you a couple more things. These are challenging. I know, but th it's definitely a part of the landscape of the social media discussion that, that has stuck. It, it has stood out to me and it is hard. Like, again, as I say these things, I'm like, Oh, you're running the risk of like, this looks like you're attacking, but I'm really not. I, I, I really want to know, like, how can we, if we're going to address the evil problem, the broken problem, the sin problem, we got to have to address the whole thing at some point. Maybe it's not, maybe right now we do have to stand completely in solidarity. We can't change the, the focus, but give me your thoughts on this. I saw this number the other day. It is shocking to me. I, I, I know there's this undercurrent of discussion that's saying, hey, um, yes, this this was egregious, but when we start talking about police, police reform, crime, all these things, there's a bigger problem at play, and we have a lot of crime and a disproportionate amount of crime in the black community. Mm -hmm. I saw this number, it was shocking to me, and I need your two cents on this. 67% of black children are born in a single parent home. Yeah. What is happening? Like, what is going on there? Yeah, so that's that's really one of the variables that created the entire George Floyd that helps to create the George Floyd incident as well. How? Because if George so I don't know George Floyd's right. story. I don't know all of the facts and details, mm -hmm. but knowing how, uh his struggle, the little that I read of him. Right. I don't think his father was intricately a part of his life. Wow. And statistics clearly show that children that are born in a two-parent household flourish game changer it, that's a game changer bro yeah and 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 far too long uh, the black male has been missing in the black community and mother or grandmother because sometimes the mother and yeah. the, the mother and the father is missing gone and they're not parenting the, their children and yeah. the grandmother's raising a child yeah and it's a repeated cycle you know over yeah. and over and so when you when you don't you're you're the first layer of government for any child is the parent is the home is the parent parental structure yeah that's where you learn respect that's where you learn values yeah that's where you learn your identity that's where you get your affir affirmation from yeah if you don't get those things then you're going to get them from other sources that may not be all that healthy for you yeah. And you think about Chicago, what's going on in Chicago, Crazy. the black on black crime. Chirac. It's just it's a train wreck. Yeah. It it's I mean it is it is terrible. It's almost to the point where is it fixable? Yeah. Because it's that bad. Yeah. Um but I think fundamentally at the heart of those problems is the missing father in the home. Yeah. And 
that's, you know, I can't say enough of how critical that is and how detrimental that has been to the black community, the missing, the father being missing in the black family. Do you feel a burden as a pastor speaking to that community specifically to address that and to figure out ways to model that and lead on that issue? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is tough because, you know, uh, you have to be that's where I have to be sensitive to. Yeah, you know, right. Because you got to realize that a lot of uh, the people in the black community, that's their normal. Right. You, so you have to be sensitive to the fact that that's their normal. How do you say it in a way that honors their humanity? Right. That, that, dig- that Boy, honors their point. dignity. That's a good point. But you, got, you got your own tough task. Yeah. Yeah, bro. So yeah. I, I need probably a sponsor. <laughs> 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 from someone that I can yeah. you know speak to these issues, man. Yeah, uh, because it is tough. How long you been married? I've been married for thirty four years. See, yeah, I think you're living it. Yeah, I think your life is the example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife is. Uh, she was born to in a single parent household, yeah. um, and her mother uh, was not educated. Mm. Um, she did domestic work to take care of herself and her daughter. Okay. But my wife uh, is one of the sweetest people in the world. Yeah. But she definitely struggles with that affirmation, mm-hmm. that that you know that confidence, mm-hmm. um, um, that identity. Yeah. Uh, and what's helped her is her relationship with with the Lord. Yeah. Of course, and then of course being married to me, um, as imperfect as I have been in the relationship. A lot of what I have to do is I have to uh, almost play the role of father in many ways. Right. I have to father her. Um, wow. And because when those components are missing, you know. It's a vacuum. It's a, it's a vacuum, bro. Wow. So, um, but I live that and I know the impact of not having a father in your life, what it does to you. And even for decent people like my wife, how much they miss out. Yeah. on but not having that father that affirmation that confidence builder because that's where all that comes from that you know that yeah. comes from the father i worry that gets lost in the conversation i worry that when we get to a place like this we need to address a bunch of different things yeah and any deviation and maybe it's just not the right time any deviation from the solidarity of the moment feels like a change in the conversation feels like we're like we're like we're skirting around confronting the awfulness of George Floyd's murder. Yeah. But if we're really going to solve things at some level, and that's not the only thing. I mean, there's hundreds of things that have to be addressed in our communities and our worldviews and the way we think and the way we process. And there's things in policing, there's things in the black community, there's the white community. There's, there's all this stuff that has to be addressed, but it's like anytime you want to start talking about these things, it gets messy. It gets messy. It yeah. gets messy, and, it, and 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 it can be misconstrued if you're not careful. Yeah, and that's where uh, we need to in, we need to mutually engage in the right. conversation. And I need I'm big on you sponsoring me, and I'm yeah. sponsoring you because when I do that, you're off the hook. Yeah, in a, in a way, it gives you the it gives you the wind to be able to have that conversation. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, uh, right. Yeah, man. It's it. With the with the conversation that need, that needs to take place with within the black community, especially when it comes to the absence of the father, maybe that conversation starts off with, you know, scientific data that backs up what 
are the impacts of a father in a home. The numbers. The numbers. Yeah, because I, you can't I argue actually, with the data. I had, a, I had a conversation this past week where I, I said, hey, can we talk about some of these numbers? And literally, the emotion's so high right now. Yeah. They were like, numbers be damned. I don't care about your right, numbers. Right. They're right like, now. I care about my feelings. Yeah. And so in the moment, I, was, I pressed, and I probably shouldn't. It, it probably looked a little aggressive. I pressed, and I probably shouldn't. It's actually on one of our podcasts. I was like, I kept pressing. No, no, we got to face this. We got to face this. But I think we do. I'm just not sure when the right time. It's like, when, when, when do we jump in and start like dealing with all this? Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, it's like, we got to talk about policing. All law enforcement gets a little worried what we're going to say. You know what I mean? We got to talk about, you know, crime across the board. Black communities, like you're changing the conversation. We got to talk about the leftover residue of systemic systemic racism in the white communities like doesn't exist right, <laughs> right. Do, you know do you know what i'm saying right. like we, we got to talk about it all right. and nobody's everybody's still camping right. in their areas and they're like no 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 i'm not yeah. ready to do it you know? well you know and i have a i have a perspective about systemic racism i have a perspective about a lot of the terminology that is being used to label um these atrocious, these atrocious incidents that have been taking place in our country for the last, you know, 200, 300 years or whatever. You know, it goes back for me for a biblical view, you know, um, but we do have to talk about the, the, the situation in terms of the symptoms because that's, that's the way we start trying to resolve it because yeah. everybody don't have a biblical view. Mm-hmm. But I think if we approach it where we do address the symptoms, but we start bringing in this, uh, you know, taking a scientific approach to it, adding data to it. Okay. If we do this, here's the outcome of that. And uh, what about what, how can we help? Uh, how can we help the community move forward where we eliminate this problem where there's lack of father leadership in yeah. the home? What can we do to help that? move mm-hmm. forward yeah um and then you know this this sensitivity that needs to take place on both sides where we honor each other's humanity is big for yeah. me so the, regardless of what the conversation is let's understand and approach it that we're all human beings we're all broken we're yeah. all fallen and i don't see i have selective attention <laughs> me there too. are things that i don't see <laughs> right that i need to see yeah and you you have to help me see them yeah and there are things that you don't see that I have to help you see yeah. because we understand that, Hey, we're all in this sort of scope where we have limited vision, limited, uh, un- experience, our experience limits us right. so that we don't un- understand experiences on all sides of the table. Yeah. So that's the reason why it's important for us to engage in conversation. And while we're engaged in the conversation, let's be decent. Let's honor each other's humanity. And then when we, you've developed that trust, like you and I, I have, yeah. let's sponsor each other. Yeah. Let's give you the go ahead to yeah. have that conversation. I agree. And let me stand and back you. And yeah. and in those when it you know when it's time for me to stand up and and speak on an issue that may need to come from me, right. I can do that. Yeah. You know. I agree. And I I think that's I think the solidarity piece for now is good. That's what we need until the emotional sort of quails a little bit. Yeah. And then after emotional quails, while while that emotionalism is going on real leadership needs to be devising a strategy as to how we're going to move this country forward in light of all these incidents, how we're going to uh, reform the police department in a way that honors them, uh, that honors their humanity, 
that shows uh, that, hey, we respect you, but hey, we do need some reform in these areas. How can we do that in an honorable way? Yeah. And then how can we engage in a conversation where, yeah, black lives matter, all lives matter. How can we engage in a conversation that moves it from the surface and say, look, saying black lives matter and all lives matter is become a cliche. Yeah. How do we move beyond the cliches and get to the real, you know, get to a place where we have real relationship, real value with each other? Yeah. How can we move it there? Yeah. And so uh, that's that's where I am with all of that's taken place over the last 40 days. I've been there pretty much uh, all my life. That's because, you know, for me, uh, the problem just didn't start. Yeah. (laughs) The problem didn't just start with George Floyd. The problem didn't just start with Ahmaud Arbery. It didn't just start with Brianna. It didn't just start with police brutality that's been a part of this country as much as apple pie is. Um, when we go back and look at other societies, when we look at different um, uh, uh, different nations, we look at different historical points, we are left with the same narrative that it just eventually – uh, sin has a way of corroding, corrupting, and uh, devaluing yeah. the society eventually. And except, uh, it, the Bi- the, like the Bible says in Romans nine twenty nine, except God left the seed. Yeah. Except God left the seed, that society was going to be just like Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah. Yeah. That's how bad it is. That's yeah. how far-reaching sin is. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before it literally decays the entire society, yeah. except that preservation is there. That's why we're salt and light, and that's the reason why we should step to the forefront and and take leadership uh, roles and try to take charge of this narrative that's going on in our nation right now. Bro, thank you so much for today and sharing your heart with us and joining me in this process, and I would love to uh, do a part two. Let's get back together and talk policies in detail and see what we can come up with. Man, I love that. All right. Love hanging out with you, bro. All right, man. Love you. Mean it. Yep. Be good. Thank you. See ya.